0: What up, what up, what up, everybody? This is the Dr. Football Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Dennis Tian. We are recording remote today because it is treacherous outside. Joining me as always, the CEO of Hedgebetter himself, Justin Fine. Justin, my man, what is going on, brother? How are you today?
1: Oh, man, it's a tough one out there, Dennis. Obviously, we're recording remote. If you don't have to be outside, I highly suggest not leaving your house. It's... uh. It's brutal. Also, weirdly warm for this time of year, too. It is. And
0: and this is what I don't get, okay? They'll cancel school now if there's, like, four inches of snow on the ground. Yeah. And we're New Englanders. Is four inches of snow a big deal? Of course not. But yet, they have school wide open this morning. We're, like, dodging tree branches and, like, blizzard-like wind gusts to get the kids to school this morning. And it was just ridiculous. They should have canceled school, and they didn't.
1: Yeah, that that's crazy. I look, I remember being younger, like they never ever canceled school. And I feel like now, like, you know, in the last like 10, 15 years, something changed where, you know, they're yes. starting to get a lot more lenient with it. They're giving the kids the snow days, they're trying to like take precaution, you know what I mean? Just be extra careful. But if, you know, I completely agree. I don't know how today didn't qualify as one of those days. It's it's brutal. Right.
0: Well, I ask you, what is more dangerous? Like a garden variety, like six to ten inch snowstorm that we all know how to handle because yes. this is New England or what we face today, which was just like treacherous, treacherous this morning and
1: all day, really. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's way more dangerous, especially just the gusts of wind alone. Like I, I felt gusts of winds that, you know, legit moved my car while I was on the yeah. road today. You know what I mean? Like exactly. it's, it's that powerful.
0: It is exactly. Well, I'm glad the game, uh, wasn't today because yesterday was actually a really pretty nice uh, day to have a home game for the Patriots against the Kansas city chiefs. And, um, it wasn't sunny, but it was comfortable. The rain held off. It wasn't too, too windy, kind of a nice day. The result, not so nice.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, look, it it it, it was a little bit more competitive than some people may have thought it was. I mean, at the end of the day though, I, I, I think it, uh, I think it worked out how most people kind of imagined, you know, the Patriots weren't going to roll in there and quit, but at the end of the day, we weren't just going to have enough to, uh, to be able to stop Mahomes and, and the Chiefs. Well, well
0: first th- first and foremost, it was a watchable product. For sure. And th- there have been how many games this year that were either completely unwatchable to borderline unwatchable, right?
1: Right, almost the majority of them, you could argue.
0: The majority of them. Yeah, so that was a watchable game, and it hit right on the Vegas spread, or, or at least the spread that I saw, which was plus 10, yep. which I think is just funny. But but as you said, kind of went, I think, exactly as predicted. I uh, give the Patriots credit for hanging around against the chiefs and they played a, a good competitive game. But at the end of the day, obviously the chiefs, the far superior team, let's get to it, Justin. Let's start with the kickoff that, that begins um, the podcast. This is the Patriots podcast. If, if you uh, don't know that we're going to do just Patriots on this podcast, and then you'll see a second around the league podcast also that we're going to do, where we'll just focus on some of the other teams, but let's start with the opening take for the Patriots podcast, my man. And I, and that, and that is very simple yesterday to me you know just reaffirmed completely that it really doesn't matter who plays quarterback for this team it feels different because it's new but i ask you justin could not mac jones have put up you know 17 points you know completed 65 percent of his passes a, a bad turnover that really gave the Chiefs the game or or took the Patriots out of the game. A couple horrible sacks, constantly under pressure, inability to get the ball downfield, bizarre play calling, non-aggressive at times. It looked pretty much the same between when Mac Jones has been the quarterback and when Bailey Zappi is the quarterback now. And to me right now, the only thing, that separates the Bailey's happy Patriots from the Mac Jones Patriots is the Mac Jones emotional, mental breakdown on the field of the last few weeks, because when Mac Jones was at his best, or at least at even his average, I think it looked yesterday's game was happy. The Patriots offense looked a lot like that when, when you really break it down and, and there really isn't a huge Delta or difference regardless of which guy plays quarterback for this team right now.
1: No, I, you didn't really see much of a difference. I mean, that's two weekends in a row or two weeks in a row that, uh, Bailey Zappi looked may He like, he may be offering somewhat of a bright spot and having a decent first half, um, in two back-to-back weeks, weeks that he absolutely came out flat as hell in the second half, looking just like a completely different quarterback, a completely different offense. Um, Dis but it was very reminiscent of like what we saw out of Mac, you know, his rookie year, what we saw out of Mac, you know, at times at the beginning of this year, like, you know, against the Eagles or the Bills or, but it's it, it it to your point, it's it's just I don't think that Mac we, we know Mac's not the answer. I think it's just proving more so that that Zappy really isn't the answer either. And I think to take it a step further, it just backs up what we've been saying this entire time. Which is that it's really tough to get a fair assessment of a quarterback or, or, uh, you know, of how your offense is running with, with the pieces that you have in place. Is, I mean, it's just clearly a very, very, uh, needy group on this team.
0: Well, I think that actually is the real take home because what it really shows is that when you have the same problems and the same limitations, whether it's Bailey Zappi, whether it's Mac Jones, frustrating sack, a bad turnover, no explosiveness, I could go on. It's a systemic problem. And I think this is what we're seeing right now. This is a systemic problem with this team. It goes way beyond the quarterback. I mean, the pass protection yesterday, I thought, was horrendous. Just horrendous. Like, Zappi was under constant arrest in the second half. There may have even been a few windows for them to get back into the game yesterday but they couldn't do it because they just couldn't protect consistently for him. And anytime Bailey Zappi needed to throw the ball really in any kind of third and longer situation or anything like that. I mean, he was under significant pressure and I think that it really limited what they could do on offense once again.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was a, a very, very clear, uh, hindrance, right? Like, and, and look, in like the first half, like, you know, like I I thought they actually didn't look awful in the first half, right? But in the second half, it reverted to the same old, same old, like the offensive line, like, you know, loosened up and, you know, guys were getting home. Bailey Zappi was under pressure and under duress and uh, look like him, n- nor him, nor Mac or any other quarterback that's that's on our roster or, or, or who that comes in, you know, through those doors next year. I think is going to be able to have the talent to withstand something like that. So it, it really does continue um, to speak to the larger problem. And I think the other thing too, that I, you know, I've mentioned a couple of times now that I'm, I'm really puzzled about is, you know, we used to always be the team that came out better in the second half. We made the adjustments. We figured you out. We tightened things up in the second half. And this back to back week now that this Patriots team looked like, you know, they came into the second half just a totally different team, just way worse off. Um, and it just seems like teams have been doing to us lately what we used to do at halftime in terms of adjustments.
0: No, that, that's a great thought. But I, I mean, that's really been part of like a four year trend. And, and we've talked about this a few other times that a lot of these things that we just took as like. Canon for what we thought the Patriot way it was have really washed away since Brady left. And that is absolutely one of them. Cause you're right. And is it not having Brady? Is it the assistant coaches, the brain brain? Like, I don't know what it is, but it. you're right. It just feels like, let's not forget that for almost two decades, counting on the Patriots to make those halftime adjustments and come out better in the second half, or even in game adjustments, like, you know, things don't go well in the first quarter and they're able to change it up in the second quarter. I mean, being that kind of Swiss army knife type team, that can kind of beat you in multiple ways. That was like the the hallmark trade of a Belichick team. And you look how many times over the last few years, and certainly both last week in Pittsburgh and yesterday against Kansas City, this team comes out in the second half and and they get, I don't know, outplayed, outcoached, outmaneuvered, and they don't it doesn't feel like they make those adjustments anymore.
1: No, no, not at all. It, it, it's the exact opposite. Other other teams are doing that to us. And look, like I get it. Like like you said, you don't have Tom Brady anymore. You don't have a, a Super Bowl caliber roster. You don't have you know the veterans in there that have like been there and done that. I get it. But like that to me is 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 like an X and o, X's and O's. Like you know poor game management like tell if anything, right? Like, because I, you know, I I know it's different guys in that locker room, but it still shouldn't change the principle that, hey, if you got a good coaching staff and you got a great mind like Bill Belichick, who's great at making in-game adjustments, great at supposedly great at doing this, this and that, then... Even if those guys aren't going to come out in the second half and perform like, you know, the 2007 Patriots, you should still see a before and after. Right. Like they should still be better in the second half than they are um, in the first half. Right. Like I don't expect it to wind up at the same result, but I expect to see some of that consistency. And again, that's just something where I'm like every is everything that i thought i knew about belichick or about like the patriots wages completely <laughs> unraveling like i really wanted to say that hey like you know obviously it wasn't all bill but there are definitely some things that i can i can still attribute to him and i'm just like how do you know if, he, if, if we're not even making the same halftime adjustments it's like that is almost like squarely an indictment on him
0: yeah and i mean let's be honest too that it's it's more the offense than the defense, what we're talking about here, right. right? Like, I feel like the defense make is pretty good about adjusting and making those kind of tweaks in game. It, it really is more the offense For that, sure. that, where the problem is. And I don't know if that's, do you put that on Bill O'Brien? Do you put that on Belichick? I don't know, but it's definitely a long, long-standing trend with this team. The other thing I would say, too, is like w- when you go back to the last 20 years, how many times they come out in their opening drive is money like with Brady, you know, for years they were always so great about scheming out that first drive, and sometimes that they will come out and just look so crisp. And that's definitely another thing that's just like gone completely, uh, you know, obsolete at this point. Like, you never see that
1: anymore. No, exactly. Like, like, even across the league, some of the worst teams in the NFL, like, you see still, you still see they like first scripted drives like look good you know what i mean it's like right. we can't we can't even get ourselves like you got all week to prepare for this opening drive and, and, we, and we still can't I I, I I i thought i saw a stat i don't i don't remember completely but i mean we we're, we're definitely one of the worst teams in the league on on and for uh opening the opening drive touchdowns or opening drive scores in general um and again that just speaks to just the lack of execution on the on the offensive side I don't know if I can say lack of preparedness but definitely lack of execution
0: you know Justin I want so badly to believe or I wanted so badly to believe in the first half of the game yesterday that that Bailey Zappi could be the quarterback for this team for the future and there was a point in the first half where I was like okay Marvin Harrison Bailey Zappi let's go 2024 Um, I think if I'm being fair I have to say it's gonna be really hard to get a read on Zappi Um, with with the limitations on this roster. But all that said, as much as it would be great to be able to convince ourselves that we could go into 2024 with Zappi as our starting quarterback and the Patriots would actually have a chance of being a good team, it does kind of feel like he's really not the answer either, right?
1: Unfortunately not. I mean, like, look, I, you know, I don't want to say that if you gave the kid a full off season to prepare as the starter and and, and if you beefed up his weapons in his own line, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm not ready to say that there's no way he has potential. But I mean, I at this point, I'm not ready to take that chance and go on that journey with him.
0: Yeah, if you're going to pass up the opportunity, which may not come again to draft a quarterback with the top five pick. And you're gonna you're gonna give that chance up. And you're gonna roll with Zappi. And you know, you end up in limbo. Now you're 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 you got Marvin Harrison, you're a build your offensive line, you've got a good defense. Zappy's good enough to win you six, seven games. And you're never picking at the top of the draft again. You know, this is a unique opportunity this year. So Zappi really has to show a lot, I think, for you know, the Patriots to give that chance up. And it just feels like I mean, I just don't think he really just like we might have said about Mac, like I don't think Zappi really has the ability to really be the kind of guy that you would feel comfortable going into next year with him as your starting quarterback.
1: no, no, I mean, look he he's proving to me that i I could feel comfortable keeping here in his rookie deal as a backup. you know i think I think he's proven that he can be a serviceable guy um. But no, I, I, I you got to look elsewhere. I think I, I, it just would to me. I think it's a huge, huge risk to go into the 2024 season planning on having Bailey Zappi as your starting quarterback.
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, what were you saying when he threw that interception? What did you just? What did you say? The same thing I did, which is. Well, I mean,
1: what? yeah. What the hell? I, I, I looked at it and I, I just, I didn't even understand, like. The, the window just wasn't even there. It was almost just one of those egregious throws. It it, it, it was funny well, because I saw it and I, I I had to double check. It looked like it looked like a Mac Jones play. Like it, that's
0: like, what I was getting at, right? Yes. It looked like a Mac Jones throw.
1: Right, right, exactly. So I was like, oh my god, like I you know I I didn't expect us to to turn into world beaters, but I, I thought some of those throws were going to get left behind us once we made that switch.
0: Y- it was it was very much. Mac Jones, like when Mac Jones is at his worst. And I mean, the Mac Jones, especially of the last few weeks ago, just the, just the terrible, terrible pass into <laughs> like to really triple coverage. And I'm like, man, this is exactly the kind of stuff that that looks like that that, that Mac Jones was doing that got him benched for, from his job. So, you know, I, I think the reality is going into this year, they don't have a quarterback and you know, we talk a lot about the options in terms of like the draft and I mean, it really sucks, but I watched this game yesterday and I just come away saying they have to draft a quarterback with their top five pick wherever they end up. They're going to be somewhere in the top five. They're going to have a chance at one of these three or four top guys. They have to take they have to now be one of these franchises like the Jets or the Browns or you can go down the list that just keeps taking guys and the hopes that they hit on one of them. And what really sucks about it is that the odds are actually in their favor. Our odds are, me, are against that. They're actually going to hit on the next person too. Right. But mm-hmm. I think that, that clearly as much as we talk about as much as I would like them to, to, to not have to, to take a, a quarterback with a top five pick for so many reasons, because they have so many other holes because it's such a, a roll of the dice because the odds are against it working out. I walk away from this game yesterday, and I'm like, you know what? Unfortunately, it's the necessary risk you have to take. It. You have to hope that you hit. You got to take a quarterback.
1: Well, let me ask you something. I mean, because look, one thing that I'm thinking is as I'm looking around the league, right, and, and I'm almost <laughs> wondering, you know, do, do you do you go a slightly different route in the sense that I, I'm I'm warming up to the idea of saying, hey, look at somebody like a. Like a Jake Browning in, a, in in a Cincinnati, right? Like f- finding somebody like that who could maybe come in, you know, they can be serviceable. They they're showing that you know they they clearly got what it takes. I mean, somebody like him, I don't think will stay a backup in the Bengals for for a while, right? Do you bring somebody in like him and say, hey, look, we're gonna we're gonna try to be uh, a five hundred or above team, you know, and and slowly try to you know re- rebuild our confidence, you know, re- rebuild our culture do it on the heels of our defense, just make sure the offense is serviceable and and make sure that that first round pick and maybe, you know, next year's first round pick as well are going towards like actual cornerstone players with the, with the much higher chance of success, like a, like that left tackle, like a Marvin Harrison jr. I mean, I don't know, to me, I just, I, I know the upside in the draft uh, of a quarterback is higher than, you know, what you could get in free agency or, you know, what you could pick off from some other teams in the league, but the risk is so much higher too. I just don't know if after the last couple of years, I I want to roll the dice again on a rookie quarterback. I don't know. What, what, what do you think? I,
0: I, um, I, I'm glad you brought up Jake Browning because I was going to bring him up. Uh, I think that it's just a very tempting possibility, the idea of bringing in someone like a Jake Browning and using that top five pick to fill a hole elsewhere on the roster. Like, I love the idea because – the reality is, Justin, this is the cold, hard reality of the situation, is that we the Patriots can draft a quarterback with a top five pick in the draft. And there is at least a 50-50 chance that they won't even be what Jake Browning has already shown he is. Right. You know, you know what I mean? Like uh, half of these guys are like Trey Lancers. They can't even play in the league and they never even get a shot or they never, you know, win a couple of games. I mean, that that's a low bar. that's the statistical reality of the situation most of these top five top ten players don't actually even work out at all going with someone like browning that has proven that he at least belongs on an nfl roster it kind of is very tempting because it gives you that safety net like say what whatever jake Browning's ceiling is you 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 know what you're getting in terms of his floor my concern from watching browning play you know does jake browning have the required physical tools to be a franchise caliber quarterback in the NFL. And I think you look even at the game Sunday, while he showed tremendous intangibles in leading that comeback, more than we've seen from many guys taken in the top five, top 10 of the draft, frankly, you know, I also think he got bailed out a couple of times because they've got tremendous talent on that Cincinnati team. So I don't know. You know, you know, you know what his floor is, you know, he belongs in the NFL, but I would question what Jake Browning's ceiling is.
1: You know and that's fair because one of the things that like you just hit on is you know that guy's coming in and he's throwing to Jamar Chase and uh in in T Higgins right and so the the Jake Browning on on the Cincinnati Bengals has probably a much higher ceiling than than the Jake Browning on, on on this current Patriots roster um so so I think I think that's completely fair but I mean you know to that point it just seems to me like this defense is good. You know, it's really just the offense that's lacking. Like, I feel like if you had like a Jake Browning or even like a, I don't know, man, even like a, like a Gardner Minshew or, or somebody like that, like this team could be like idling around 500 right now with, with, with the defense that, that they've been able to, to, to put forward. So like, I don't know, it's, to me, it's, it, it's just, I guess it's just a matter of your risk profile, right? Like, do you want to, do you want to swing for the home run and, and draft a kid who's got a much, who's potentially much higher in their upside, but you know that the risk is, is, is obviously baked into it. Right. So I
0: what, I, what kind of value, Justin, do you think Jake Brown, Jake Browning would have, like what's someone going to trade for him? Is he, is he a third round pick a second round pick? Like, cause, cause let me ask you this, like, you know, you need a bridge quarterback on this team you know, you could draft someone and bring, isn't Jake Browning the kind of guy you might want to bring in anyways to, to be someone that could start a few games while you develop your presumed draft pick.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent, man. Like, look like the, you know, the Ryan Fitzpatrick's of the world, they, they start somewhere right in like, you know, the, right. the, the, the Ryan Fitzpatrick was a very serviceable quarterback to bring in for, for, you know, middling teams or teams amidst rebuilds that needed bridge quarterbacks, etc. Um, Like, Browning to me seems like he's gonna be like a Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know what I mean? Like a like a guy who'll probably be a journeyman. He'll be able to start. He'll have his he'll have his games. He'll have his years. I mean, obviously, you know, he's never gonna to lead you to a number one overall seed and, and probably not win you a Super Bowl, right? But like that to me is like I, I'd be okay with with somebody like that. I'd be okay with bringing somebody in like that and getting that like level of production out of them. I mean, I you know, in, in not only that but just Having, even just having somebody to back up. Like, if you wanted, like you said, if you wanted to take that draft pick or if you wanted to get risky, you know, you wanted to do something crazy and bring in two guys, I at least just like having somebody. Like, look at how nice it is for the Bengals. Like, the Cincinnati Bengals, I, I don't know about you, but the second I heard Joe Barr went down, I said, write them off. That's their year. You know, they're going to fall out of the playoff pitcher. Um, it's a shame for that team and, and, and that franchise and those fans. I didn't.
0: I disagree, and I actually, uh, if you go back to some of the things we had posted on the uh, website, I actually wrote that when Barrow got hurt, that I actually thought the Bengals they wouldn't totally fall out of it, and it's just because they have so much talent on that team, and and I think that that's that's it's a team game still, and like they 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 have a good offensive coach, a couple really good receivers, tight end, two really good backs. Like I feel like a lot of quarterbacks in this league are going to play their best in an operation like that. Now I'm not saying they should make the playoffs. I'm not saying I want to see them make the playoffs. I'm not saying they're going to win the Super Bowl, but I'm just saying, I really didn't think that their season was going to fall apart. I thought they would take a step back, but, but I thought there was just too much talent on that roster to write them off. And I mean, look at yesterday is the, the perfect example of that, right? Like look at that play that T Higgins made. Was that a great pass by by Browning, I think it was a terrible pass. He threw up a lollipop that that really was a 50-50 ball that T. Higgins made a terrific play on and also scored a touchdown pirouetting around the pylon. It was a great play. You know, that doesn't happen if you're throwing to Devonta Parker and Tyquan Thornton. That's a pick.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. So no, I I completely agree. You could, I don't think you could expect Jake Brown or Jake Browning or even someone like Jake to come in and in necessarily have the the same impact that they're having on on a loaded roster. And I think that's totally fair. And again, that just goes that goes back to the point I think we were making at the beginning of the podcast, where it's like, okay, even if you know or, or you have a very good inkling that Bailey Zappi is not your guy. How do you truly and accurately judge who that guy is if you don't have like the right pieces in place to like watch him develop and, and flourish? You know what I mean? It's it's almost like a it's almost like a card of the horse type of situation. Like what do we do? It's a here? catch
0: twenty two. and that's yeah. why this is realistically probably a multi year rebuild because you know to get that kind of infrastructure in place where you're going to be able to get the best out of a quarterback, it's going to be a, a several years in the making.
1: I agree. And I, I think so, too. And that that's to me is almost why, you know, I go back to the whole maybe maybe this was all along supposed to be like a long multi-year rebuild. I don't know. Maybe they were hoping they got lucky with Mac, but maybe the plan was like, look, we got to rebuild both ass both facets of this team. Start with the defense, because that was that's what Bill is. And then focus on on building the offense. And maybe maybe you're right. Maybe it is going to take another another couple years to get the offense back on track. Um, and at this point, you know, it it seems very unlikely that it would be anything but that just given what we're looking at and the pieces we currently have. To work I don't with.
0: think, I don't think it was any design, Justin, because the reality is you look across the league, pretty much every team in the league is one good off season from being a contending team. You really have to let the, 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 I, the, the, the days of like the five year rebuild, those are like thirty years ago now. That 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 era is over. Ninety percent of the teams in the NFL are a couple good draft picks and a couple free agents fr- from going from six and ten to eleven and ten, eleven and six, in one off season. You have to really let things get bad to be in the situation the Patriots are. It takes more than one year to dig yourself into this mess, and it's going to take more than one year for them to crawl out of it. But I, I really feel like this was just. This was just a, a a multi-year process of failure from this franchise to get them in this spot. It, it,
1: it well, look it. I I think at the very least we can say that for the last couple of years we've been sitting here on this show, kind of calling out those failures, right? So I mean it, it, it's definitely it's definitely been noticed, and I you know I. I don't think it's any shock that we're in the situation that we're in. Like you know, you think about like all the the gripes that we've had, all the issues that we've had, all the glaring problems that we've seen and talked about for the last couple of years. I mean, you look back and you put all the pieces together. Like, where else did we expect to find ourselves?
0: Exactly. When you look, at it, it's been a long, slow, steady trend down. All right, Justin, let's move on to uh, another topic. I, I I think it dovetails a little into what we've been talking about, but. Um, I want to bring it up specifically on its own because I think it's worth mentioning. And that is, I really felt that the the approach yesterday on offense was not aggressive enough to win that game. And I felt like it was almost felt to me like their goal was to not get blown out as opposed to take the chances they needed to take to win the game. And I'm thinking back to the second half of that game. I believe the Patriots had three fourth down situations, a a fourth and three, a fourth and four, maybe a fourth and six where they could have gone for it. And they were down by multiple scores in the third or fourth quarter. And all three times they punted the ball. And I'm sorry, when you're playing one of the best teams in the league and you're playing Reed and Mahomes and you're one of the worst teams in the league, you have to take some chances to level the playing field. You have to catch some breaks to to come away and, and win that game. And what did the Patriots do? They played everything by the book, and lo and behold, they lose by 10, lose by 10, which is, by the way, what everyone, including Vegas, predicted they would lose by. I would almost rather they had taken a few gambles and lost control of the game than do what they did, which is pretty much guaranteed that they weren't going to win but they would stay within striking distance. I didn't think they played to win the game yesterday. I thought they weren't aggressive enough.
1: No, I think I, I think we're seeing the same type of strategy that we were employing back when we had Tom Brady and, and, and we're winning Super Bowls. It was like, hey, let's not do anything super crazy because at the end of the day, we're going to rely on the fact that we can make one more play than they can we can you know get it have something go in our favor like we we we, we, let the other team beat themselves let the other team make a mistake that we're going to capitalize on like that was kind of always i feel like the patriot way like you're not going to get crazy because let the other team get crazy make the mistakes then we capitalize and it's like you you're taking that same approach in just a completely opposite situation and it's like I you know I I don't understand. Like we've talked about them like wanting them to be more aggressive. This is a team that we've said like whenever like they've shown pockets of like aggressiveness in the past, it always seems super ill-timed, like it couldn't be at a worse time. And then we look at perfect opportunities for them to be more aggressive and they they don't wind up pulling the trigger and taking the chance. So it's it's just it's just a really weird philosophy I think that they have. And I think part of that is like Bill trying to like break out of his habits of like just being super conservative and adjusting to the fact that he can't do that anymore. But like, I just don't think he knows the right way to do that. Like, I actually think he is just like lost when it comes to, you know, the the analytics of, of, of this new age, aggressive offensive mentality.
0: Well, we, we talked about the Bengals on Saturday, but I don't know how much of that game you watched. but look how aggressive Zach Taylor was in that game. Yeah. Getting his Down by fourteen and down they were down by fourteen points in the fourth quarter, come back and tie it, then fall behind again by seven and and come back and tie and then win in overtime. They took a lot of chances. They went for it on a few fourth downs. You have to do that. This is the Belichick Chestnut Checkers approach. It worked great in the nineties and in the two thousands and in the two thousand tens even. But it isn't working in today's NFL. I don't think Belichick's approach to the game is really that effective uh, on offense, I mean, anymore. Like, and again, we talk about Mac versus Zappy. I mean, the kind of for the last three years, we've been pulling our hairs out when Mac has been out there saying we want them to be more aggressive, we want them to be more aggressive, and trying to wrap our head around why they aren't. Well, now they have a new quarterback, and I'm, I'm not saying he's any better, but what I'm saying is Yesterday, I was watching the game saying the exact same thing. I want them to be more aggressive. I want them to be more aggressive. This is what I'm getting at here. I guess this is what my point is. When We're looking at next year and we're looking at what this team is going to do in terms of the coaching and whether they keep Belichick, whether they don't keep Belichick, which is a, obviously the big conversation for the rest of this season. When I look at that game yesterday and the way they approach the offense of side of the ball, the lack of aggression, the lack of risk-taking, the unwillingness to take chances, that really makes me concerned. And it makes me say, this is more than just the Bill Belichick, the GM problem. This is a Bill Belichick, the coach problem. He's a great defensive coach. He's a great head coach. The approach to offensive football is Byzantine. And the lack of aggression is Byzantine. And that's why I'm concerned about, you know, do I want him back as a fan? Yeah, I want him back as a fan. Do I really think it's the right thing for the franchise? Well, this is the sticking point for me. And it was on full display yesterday.
1: I, look, I, you know, I I waver. I keep wavering so much when it comes to do, do I want Bill back or not? You know, I, I hear these rumors. To me, look, I still, I still want him back. I do. I, you know, it, it sounds crazy, but like I, I do. I just, for, I don't, and I don't know why, because everything we sit here and we say is like counter counterintuitive to that. We talk about how, is uh, so much of what happens has been you know either directly or his fault or, or has happened under his watch. Like we talk about how you know something needs to change, you know, in order to to pump some new some new energy and confidence in, in life into this team and locker room. But like, for the same token, I just like I don't know, man. Just part of me feels like. You let go of Belichick and it's just, the you know, it's almost like the same situation, I feel like, like we were just talking about with, you know, like a Drake, uh, Jake Browning, like drafting a new quarterback. It's like, okay, I feel like what we're seeing now, the upside is definitely greater if we would have maybe bring somebody else in. Because we're obviously seeing, you know, things aren't good right now. But by the same token, like, it just seems so much scarier and riskier if you make that move and you get rid of Belichick. And now it's just not only you in shambles, but you're in shambles with a completely new person at the helm. I, so I don't know. Maybe I mean,
0: I'm with you. Like, as a fan, I want Belichick back. And I agree with you. Like, you really want to pass up as much as I get frustrated with Belichick. And it's been ugly the last four years in a lot of ways. The problem goes beyond Bill Belichick, the GM. It really does. It is Bill Belichick, the coach, too. And like, aren't you concerned, Justin, that and I want him back as a fan. I want him back. But aren't you concerned if they do bring this guy back? And now you've got like Drake May here and and you're going to see the same crap we saw with Cam Newton, you know, with 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 Mac Jones, with Brian Hoyer, with Bailey Zappi. Now we're going to see with Drake may chestnut checkers, you know, special teams don't take gambles. Everything's vanilla conservative. 1990s football could be stifling to a young quarterback. And I, and, and, and that's why I guess in my heart, I want him back, but my head is like, maybe actually you got to move on and look it. I will say this. Robert Kraft did not get to be Robert Kraft because he makes, you know, emotional decisions. He is going to make a rational decision, and I feel like, you know, this is part of it. You know, bringing in someone that is with the times. I don't know. I mean, it's a tough call, I guess, because because there is this downside.
1: There is, there is, and like it's, it's one of those things where I don't know. The right or wrong answer, and I don't think anybody really does. And I don't think no matter what happens, even whether he stays or, or or goes, like it's gonna take a while to figure out what the right answer was. Um, like at this junction, because I don't think that things get fixed overnight. Like I don't think getting rid of Bill and bringing somebody new in, you know, solves the problem solves the problem overnight, or even like in the next season or two necessarily. You know what I mean? Like we could still be looking at a multi year rebuild. Um, just purely out of necessity whether you have bill belichick here or somebody new and like if that's the case it's like okay if you told me that like hey we could bring somebody new in to change you know the culture and and, and the success of this team you know in, in 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 a year's time then i'm okay with it but if you're telling me oh you know we're, we're going to be in a multi-year rebuild regardless and it's either going to be bill Belichick or you know some unproven who you know who who knows who they are i i don't know it's it's, it's just a It's a tough, tough pill to swallow after seeing what happened to us once once Brady left.
0: There were reports this week, Justin, that Kraft had already made up his mind on Belichick and and the decision was made to get rid of him after the Germany game against the Colts. And then a conflicting report from Ian Rappaport, I believe yesterday morning dropped, that said it was still very much up in the air. Do you think Kraft has made up his mind yet on Belichick? Because I don't. I think think it is still very much up in the air. And I, I will say this, like... This is not going to be an easy decision for Robert Kraft, for all the reasons you and I just illustrated. There are very compelling and reasonable arguments to make to both keep and get rid of bill Belichick. This is not simply a Brandon Staley thing where he's, he's on his ninth life. You know, this is, this is a guy that has won six rings for you. He still has his strengths as a coach. You look how hard this team's playing in week 15 in a season like this, yep. and how they were playing like they were playing yesterday on defense, like it was the Super Bowl. I mean, they were playing they were all over the field. Belichick has his strengths as a coach. And I think Kraft and Belichick have a, a relationship and a history together. And I think it's the divorce, even though it might make sense, it's going to be really hard. So, no, I don't think that this has been decided yet. What are your thoughts?
1: I, I don't think it's been decided either. It, you know, part of it I, I think it's I think it's very interesting because obviously someone like Robert Craft has the, the ultimate say, but it's like what what is Belichick's thoughts, right? Like I think that's another component to this is like, is Belichick want to stay here and be part of a rebuild like is he is he willing to to maybe do some uncharacteristic things or or shake things up in order to to change uh the direction that this franchise is has been heading in? Like I, I just like, or does does he want to go somewhere else? Does he say, hey, I'm at the twilight of my career. I maybe have a couple of years left in this league. I want to go somewhere with a, you know, ready to win roster, a proven franchise quarterback. And I want to see if I could lead them to success. Like that's, that's part of it too. Like, you know, so if Belichick, Wants to stay, which I think he does, because I think a coach that didn't want to stay—I don't know. I the way I see this team playing; they're playing so hard. It tells me that n- neither the coach nor the players have given up on each other. So I think Belichick still wants to be here. At that point, you know, it it really is a tough decision for Robert Kraft. And I gotta agree with you; I don't think the decision has been made yet. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of talk over this this off season. And I think one thing that Robert Kraft is going to be scarred by is the way that Tom Brady left and what happened over these last four years since he left. And I think he's going to take every possible second in, in factor into account um, before he decides whether he gets rid of bill or not.
0: I I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And I, and I I wouldn't be surprised Justin if it doesn't happen right away. Like, I don't think this is going to be a black Monday type firing. And I know there are new rules on that anyways, now where you can't hire someone until is it after the conference championship games? So I feel yeah. like this is going to play out really slow, you know, re- really, really slow um, over the over the first couple weeks of the offseason.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I definitely don't think anything's going to happen right away. Um, and yeah, I I do think that there's still, you know, there's still some stuff that's up in the air in terms of, you know, what could influence this decision. I don't think it's a done deal.
0: And and, and can I, can I, one more quick point on this and then and then we're going to move on to, to the Chiefs. But, you know, I do feel like it, it is a little concerning to me that that if you listen to Belichick's press conferences, it, he just doesn't feel like he gets it. And I think that that's what the other thing I'm concerned about with him, you know, is not just the offensive approach. It's not just the GMing. It's the fact that this guy doesn't sound contrite. Like the way he speaks to and handles the media genuinely feels like he is not really plugged into the reality of what he has done here the last four years and his own failure, the last four years for as great as he is and all that he still does. Right. He has failed to build this team back into, into a viable NFL franchise the last four seasons. and. That is first and foremost of his doing on his hands. You listen to these press conferences. He sounds like a guy that just doesn't get it. And that's my other major concern about bringing him back. But even still, it's going to be hard. That divorce is is not going to be easy if it does come. Like any other divorce of a long-time relationship – you know, it is a tough. It is going to be a tough, tough decision, and I think there'll be a lot of mixed emotion whichever way the Pats end up going.
1: Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Not going to be easy, uh, no matter what.
0: I mean, do you listen to his press conference yesterday?
1: Uh, I, I didn't, but I, I I heard his halftime comments. He had he had a one word. So he got asked two questions, gave two one word answers.
0: I mean, does it have to be such an ass? Can you be a little contrite? You know, no. Rome is burning, Bill. Can you just be a little contrite about? about it you have to be so like defensive and short and arrogant it's just like it just reeks of a guy that doesn't get it i'm sorry all right let's move on justin um i want to talk a little bit about the chiefs was a good look at them yesterday we've i've said all year that i think they're the they're the best team in the afc i think the reed mahomes combo is still money and i think they're definitely in the conversation but you watch that team up close the way they play the game. And, you know, to be honest with you, I'm not sure I've ever seen a chiefs team look quite like this before in the Reed Mahomes era. And it just feels like there, there's something missing from that team. And they're, they're the lit. They're probably the le- They are the least explosive chiefs team we've seen since Patrick Mahomes has taken over on their quarterback. And there's just something missing on that offense. It's also probably the best defense they've had since Reed and Mahomes have been there too. So it's a very different Chiefs team than what we've seen in years past.
1: Yeah, it's it's a completely different team. I mean look like like we you just you just I think hit the one of the biggest things in the on the head was the fact that this is a really good Chiefs defense. Like the Chiefs have kind of always at least in the Mahomes, era like have skated by with with mediocre to even like subpar defenses, but they have a a, a top defense, like a top tier defense this year, and I and I think it's you know really helped them when, when their offense has struggled. Like you're right, like this offense clearly um, doesn't look like it's it's the offense of, of the past. I mean, look, let's let's just look at it objectively for a second. I mean, Tyree Kill is. I think bar none the most explosive offensive player in you read
0: my in, thoughts I in, in, in the league that. right now
1: right and it's like okay you removed him from the equation and they were lucky enough last year to still I think do what they did and I think that was in part because yes you still had arguably the best coach quarterback combo that's currently in the league and Travis Kelsey was was still kind of playing at that like elite peak pinnacle level but like this year, Travis Kelsey's taken a step back. Like that wide receiver room is a little bit in shambles. Like they they, they lost Juju Smith Schuster after losing Tyreek Hill. Did Kelsey got clearly another year older and slower? They don't have a go-to guy. Their their closest thing they have to a go-to guy is a rookie. Like they're making dumb mistakes that the Chiefs usually don't make. And so I think you're seeing a little bit of frustration. I think you're seeing uh, you know, a little bit of uh, of a step back but like in reality I, I I don't I I think that's perfectly normal like you lost the most explosive player in the league and your other stars have gotten a year uh, year older and you didn't replace uh, any of your superstars so you know I, I think that's just what happens sometimes
0: it's, it's like a confluence of losing Tyreek Hill and also Travis Kelsey aging right and Kelsey's still a really good tight end but he's clearly on the decline yes uh, and, and and Tyreek Hill being gone. And as I'm watching the game yesterday, Justin, I'm like wondering to myself, what is Mahomes rest of his career or at least like the next three to five years going to look like, you know, with Tyreek Hill gone, Travis Kelsey probably moving towards the end of his career, no clear viable successor, you know, elite kind of weapon that, you know, to, to take that the baton for for him to to rely on. And I mean, Mahomes is still amazing and dynamic and much like Brady, he's able to put up numbers and make plays with anything around him. But it's not going to be the same if he doesn't have a dynamic elite playmaker or or one or two of them around him. And I'm like, you know, what is the rest of his next chapter of his career going to look like with, with that group of receivers? You know, once Kelsey continues to get older. I really think you're going to see it's it's going to affect him not only his ability to put up numbers but also his um ability to, to compete for championships.
1: I mean 100% like we've mentioned on this podcast numerous times like the 10 year gap between Super Bowls here in Foxborough, and I don't think it was rocket science. When you look back at it, you know, you look at the weapons, you look at some of the the you know some some of the the lineups and some of the rosters in that ten year stretch, you know, on both offense and defense. We clearly got, I think, a little complacent and a little cocky and maybe said, huh, maybe we don't need what we you know, what what teams think they need to win Super Bowls. And we learned real quick, you can't just have Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, right? Like ten years went by before we brought another Super Bowl back. So like you and
0: to your point, like the whole second dynasty was really predicated around drafting Rob Gronkowski. Yes. Yeah. Like you pull a Hall of Fame tight end in the second in the second round, right? And that that was really they were, you know, he develops. Finally, he stays healthy for a postseason run in 2014. Cause remember, he got hurt.
1: Yep.
0: All remember like all all those years, 11, 12, and 30. I think he was hurt two of those three years. Yep. Um, you know, Travis, I mean, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is gonna need something like that, right? To come in and 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 take him to that second half of his career because it, and it might have to be lucky. Like Ronk was lucky. I think of all these second round draft picks Belichick is blown, you know, Aaron Dobson. And I mean, you can go down the list, you know, um, he, he took, he's taken a lot of high upside guys but with questions around them that didn't work out in the second round on both sides of the ball. That's exactly what Gronk was. Gronk was a hall of fame type guy with a bad back who came in here and the game worked. And it, and it really was the, the instrumental thing and then winning three Super Bowls, you know, you look at that Chiefs roster right now, the cupboard is really bare. Yeah. Like anything like that, so they're going to have to hit on something in the draft. And I think Rasheed Rice is a piece, yeah. but I don't think he's that kind of player. Um they're going to have to hit on something if they if they expect Mahomes to sustain what he has been to this point.
1: Yeah, A uh, 100% in 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 not only that but like to your to the point of Travis Kelsey aging, getting older you know, when Travis, Travis Kelsey was kind of having that Gronk effect where it was like, okay, he was the most dominant or one of the most dominant go-to players. Like, don't forget, even with Tyree Kill, as even with Tyree Kill being the most explosive player in the league, Travis Kelsey was still the go-to guy on that offense, right? He was Mahomes' security blanket. He was, he was the first option, like the offense ran through him. And so that opens things up for your receivers and for other, like, contributors on offense and so we talked about him taking a step back this year he took a big step back this year and that really I think it it showed in the receiving room because even you know like Rasheed Rice is a good rookie, but none of these guys have really been able to get off uh, and have the have the season that you know. But I'm sure Mahomes and, and the Chiefs were hoping. And part of that is because I think they're getting a little bit more focused than they they would have gotten in the past. So to your point, you definitely need that guy who can not only be a playmaker and a difference maker, but can also have that trickle down effect where now your second and third and fourth options have a little bit can more. Be breathing. second going. and third and fourth options exactly. Exactly,
0: yeah. you know, because even like yesterday, I I think you could argue that both of Patrick Mahomes' interceptions were really not his fault. Like, you right. know, I mean, certainly the Kadarius Tony one wasn't, and and I mean the other one, I don't know, Marty Apple kind of went in there and stole that ball. I don't think that was that wasn't Kelsey. That was the other tight end, right? Yeah. That that, that you know. So look, I mean, you blame Mahomes for either of those turnovers. Uh, they they were really the only reason the Patriots were even in the game. Um, was those two plays, otherwise it might have been a huge blowout, it kind of fell on the receiver in my, in my book. And I think it hasn't just been this week for Kansas City. It's been pretty much from that first game of the year against Detroit right through the year. When they lose, when they fall short, when they, they are limited, it's it's because of their, their skill, position, talent. Do you think that was the bounce-back game? that Kansas City was hoping for it wasn't supposed to be their get right game. I don't know. You know, if I was a Chiefs fan, would I would I feel like they got right yesterday? I'm not sure I would.
1: Yeah, I don't know uh I don't know how happy I would be about that performance. But you know what, you still you still were able to 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 go out and and get the W and we're seeing this year. I mean, you know, you you take a win whenever you can take a win. But no, it definitely to me wasn't the get right game that the uh, I think the Chiefs were looking for.
0: All right, two more Patriots takes, and we're going to move to around the league, Justin. First and foremost, we, we would be remiss if we didn't just acknowledge how great I thought the defense played yesterday. Uh, yes, they gave up 27 points. I, I felt like a lot of that had to do with with, with Bailey's Zappi interception, handed the Chiefs a touchdown, inability of to the offense to move the ball. You are still playing Reed and Mahomes. I thought they played hard. I thought they've got pressure on Mahomes pretty consistently. They forced him to make some terrific throws that I think he might, some of those throws, he might be the only quarterback in the league that, that hits some of those throws that, that he made yesterday. This defense is loaded with good young players. Several. We've been so focused on how bad the offense is and what a clown show it's been that I think we've almost missed some of their young players on defense continue to develop. Um, Jabril Peppers is playing at all pro level. Yeah. Kyle Duggar is, is a good safety. I don't know if he's going to be worth what he gets, but he's good. Christian Barmore is, is becoming a disruptive a- a player, an all pro type player. And, and they have to sign him. Uh, Jelani Tavai ha- has become a good linebacker. Mac Wilson is all over the field. And um even um, you know, um Anthony Jennings is another name that I feel like is playing well they've got a really good core of young defensive players on this team right now. And it showed yesterday.
1: And and we keep saying, I feel like we keep saying this week after week and you know, and they're still doing it without their top two guys. Like that to me is just like, okay, like this defense really is not the problem this year, right? Like I I can't I, I actually, you know, I know they, they had a couple of like 40 point routes and whatnot, but then you know, where they get like shut out. But I really can't point to a game this year and say that the the offense or the, or the defense was was the problem, the defense was the reason they lost. Like to me, like this really is a good defensive unit that I think is gonna fly under a lot of people's radars in 2024 just because of how bad the 2023 season went. But I think this is a defense that you can, you can rest your hat on. Like this is, this is a good defense. That's going to keep you in games. They're young. Their majority of them are homegrown. Um, and, and, and I think they're talented. And, and uh, so I, I hope they, I hope they keep this, this little nucleus of dudes uh, that they've, that they've brought in. But, um, but, but, but yeah, I, I'm I'm super happy with what I'm seeing out of the defense.
0: Yeah. They're, they're really playing well. I mean, the special teams continues to be an issue and, and Brandon schooler, another terrible penalty yesterday. I don't know why that guy is even on the field. And I know he's a good special teams player, but you can't make mistakes on special teams, right? You have to at least be neutral. You're, you're a kick coverage guy in a, in a blocker on kick return. Your job is to be anonymous. If they're calling your name, that means you did something bad. We're calling Brendan Schooler's name way too much. He's making Mistakes, their special teams continues to make mistakes. I don't know why they have so many problems on special teams, but that's a separate issue altogether. But I would say surprising, disappointing, given what we know about Bill Belichick, but continues to be a problem. The special teams.
1: Yeah, yeah, big time. I mean, you know, even just to start that game, the the huge penalty. On uh, yeah. on, on the Rager return, like that said, was
0: that was Schooler, that was Brendan Schooler,
1: right, right. So, so yeah, I mean, look, you know, look when when we always, you know, the, and we've said this before, right? Like the Patriots were always one of the reasons they were always so good and always had an edge on teams is because they they really put an emphasis on special teams and they knew that they weren't going to get beat. Uh, on special teams, right? And you know, when you can take a third of the game and cross that out as as an area of of weakness or an area where teams can exploit you, I think you're already starting off in a good position, right? In this team this year, with all the problems they've had on offense, with all the the glaring holes, you know, y- you just can't afford to uh, be giving up dumb penalties, big plays stupid exactly. Mistakes they got
0: enough teams. limitations on their offense. Can their special teams just be neutral? It's, you know, it's like it's the last thing they need is a second, is a second problem, you know, unit that they have to overcome. They've got enough problems with their offense. So, Justin, let me ask you after yesterday, are we back to, to, to tanking again now? Because I have to tell you, Carolina winning yesterday and that Pittsburgh win is going to really like loom large over this team. Um, in, in the future. Now I was at the game yesterday and I was into it. Like I was rooting for the Patriots to win and it was entertaining. Um, but let's face it uh, come April. They're, they're going to need to be in the best position possible draft wise. Uh, the Pittsburgh win was great. I think we all got caught up in that because it was such a great thing to watch. I thought they played hard and well yesterday. It was an entertaining, watchable game. If the next three games were like that entertaining, watchable, they play hard, they play well, but still lose. I think that would be the probably the best thing for the franchise. Where are you on tanking right now?
1: Yeah. It was weird because last week kind of just totally derailed the, the, the tank train for me. Um, it was, it was almost like, you know, I, I got snapped back into, into wanting the Patriots to win and rooting for them to, to win. Um, you know, I, as far as, as far as the tank chain goes, I mean, you know, I, I had said this a week or two ago that, you know, for me, the tank had different implications depending on like what, what the, the, the outcome of the rest of the season was and what the goal was, right? Like if you go the, if you go out, you know, these last couple of games and you're able to identify a couple of key contributors that you think can step up and fill holes next year, or even if maybe... Bailey Zappi continued to look really good and you thought he could be a potentially serviceable quarterback in 2024, then I'm okay with like winning an extra game or two in in and maybe sliding down to like a fourth, fifth, sixth pick, right? If you if if your goal is to take a quarterback with that first pick, I'm okay with uh getting an extra win or two this season and moving down a couple of picks, right? Like for me, the tank. Was super important, and, and and part of that is just because I'm not a huge fan of uh, of any of the uh, the the quarterbacks that are in this draft class. I know there's a couple that are you know super talented, highly touted. I know it's supposed to be super deep. Personally, I don't see anybody that I'm like in love with. So for me, I'm like, okay, the only way I'd really, really be rooting heavily for this tank is if I thought we were gonna go out there and draft like a Marvin Harrison jr or if we were gonna go out there and draft <laughs> like that stalwart like left tackle that's gonna be here for like the next 10 years but like I just I don't have the confidence in that at this point I have no clue what this team's gonna do with, with with that pick so at this point i I can't even say definitively why I, I stand in the tank because like I said i I think that different circumstances for me
0: I mean, one thing's for sure is like the, the Caleb Williams' senior year thing, where he he went from being supposedly a generational prospect, Andrew Locke type situation, to a guy now that's sliding, you know, into the five to ten range, if not lower, on a lot of draft boards. That's not a good thing for the Patriots because I don't think the Patriots realistically have mathematically had a real shot at that number one pick ever. I mean, even, you know, I mean, Carolina won yesterday. I still think they have something like an 80% chance of getting that number one pick, which is going to be the Bears pick, of course. And like, it would have been great if you could have just slot Caleb Williams into that pick to whoever trades for it or gets it, you know, getting the competition and then you get the two or the three. I feel like it's good now with Williams sliding down the draft board. I just feel like that doesn't help. You know, I feel like that's now one more good, one less good player that you might have wanted that's not going to be available. Because Caleb Williams isn't going to get drafted in front of you now, like we all thought he was going to. So I don't know. Like I, I, I'll take it back to what I said at the beginning of the podcast, which is we need a quarterback. I like Drake May, Drake May. I like Bonix, and I like Jaden Daniels, and I like Penix, right? And you're going to have a chance to take one of those guys wherever you draft, uh, in, in the top ten. You know, one of those guys will will be there wherever this team drafts, right? They're going to be somewhere in that whatever, what's the best case scenario for their draft position. Now, probably four or five realistically. Um, you know, so they're going to have their opportunity to take one of those guys. I, I, I don't know. So it's a, it's a tough call, but you know, t- tanking is never, a, never, never a great thing. Right. Like and like you said, you, you can tank and draft the worst guy. And then where are you anyways? Right.
1: Right. Right. Uh, I- exactly. So, yeah, I mean, look, it's, 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 it's difficult. I mean, you know, like you said, there's a bunch of quarterbacks whose names are getting thrown out there. Um, there, there's a couple of generational, you know, talents, non quarterbacks that, that, that are being hyped up and there's a bunch of holes on this in needs on this current roster. So at the end of the day, you know, as long as the Patriots are able to come out of the first round, like and don't get me wrong, like, especially if bills here, it's very much in the realm of possibility. You, you trade that pick down or you trade back. Yeah. Right. So it's like, you know, I, at the end of the day, which I don't
0: hate because no. if, they, if they could trade back and still get one of those four quarterbacks and then and pick up some more draft capital, I, I don't think that's a bad thing. Re- I really no. don't like they have so many holes. Like maybe that's the way you hedge this out a little bit. You put all your eggs in Drake May's basket. And he sucks. Well, you're back to square one in three more years, and you have another terrible three years. You know, in the process. I mean, is it wouldn't it be better to take to take one of those other guys and, and pick up some more draft capital? I don't know. Yep. Something to think about. I will say this: I, I do think the Denver game is very winnable this week. Like Denver, Denver should beat the Patriots, but I don't. I don't really trust or believe in that Denver team after what I've seen from the last few. weeks. I know they kind of trending hot there for a little while, but. This is a very winnable game this week in Denver I think.
1: Yeah, I, I it's super winnable and uh you know Denver Denver's a team that I I don't know what it, what you're going to get from them, right? Like they they want a heat you know heater where they were beating everybody. And then I think they just, what, dropped their last two or their last two out of three, something like yep. that. So, yep. you know, they it, got
0: embarrassed this week by Detroit. Right,
1: right. So, look, I think the Patriots are going to go hang 45 on Denver like Detroit can. No, but, you know, it, 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 is it out of the realm of possibility that uh, you could see Pittsburgh 2.0? No, not at all.
0: All right, brother. Well, that's all the time I'm going to take for the uh, for the Doctor Football Patriots podcast. You have anything else you want to add uh, before we wrap it up and move to around the league podcast?
1: No, it's that should be it. it should be it. I'm looking. Uh Looking forward to was it? Is it Christmas football? It's Christmas, Christmas Eve, or, yeah. Christmas, Christmas Eve, football. right? Yeah.
0: It's going to be tough to watch that game, man. But I'll, I'll of course I'll watch it. I'll figure it out. I think most of us will. Yeah. We're, you know, we're fans. We're gonna we're gonna work it out. But I mean, anyone that has small kids, and as you know, I have three, that's a tough tough time to, to have a meaningless football game yeah. to watch. But we'll, we'll we'll see. We will always find. We'll always find a way to watch the Patriots. Only seventeen games a year. You know that.
1: Yes, exactly. So,
0: all right. I want to thank everyone that listened. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Doctor Football Podcast. Have a great week. Wish you all a wonderful, healthy, and safe uh, holiday season. I hope you enjoy everything and we will be a little delayed. I should mention recording next week because Monday is Christmas. We're certainly not going to record then. So you'll probably see our new episode drop a little later than usual. But I want to wish you all a wonderful holiday season. Enjoy it and uh, enjoy all the great football. On Enjoy the time with friends and family and we'll catch you next time.